are now tuned in to this week's episode on Togcast. It is our mission to bring you guest speakers sharing their latest and greatest tips, skills, stories and know-hows within their market. Let's get going. Hi and welcome back to our Togcast. Today is part two of how to land your first job in marketing. It is indeed. And where do we get to? I feel like we covered so much in the last session, especially uh, secrets from Jason. Have you got got any more secrets, Jason, you want to share with us? (laughs) I'm not sure I should be revealing these on air, (laughs) but I will share one or two others with you. So I think leading on from our conversation about getting that first job, uh, one of my, I think, guilty secrets is I was living in Leeds in Yorkshire. I'd worked in marketing for maybe about five or six years at that point. And I wanted to move to London. The bright lights of London, the pavements paved with gold were drawing <laughs> me. Um, so I went, the very first interview I went for, uh, I got the job, offer. But it was too easy. I was thinking, oh no, I want to apply for some more jobs. I really want to explore what's available out there. So I went for some other interviews, didn't get them. And then I had one more annual holiday leave day left. And I had one more interview lined up. So I'm going, oh, okay, so I'll go to London. I'm a bit sick of interviewing by this point, a bit tired of the process. And I'm really embarrassed to say this in front of professional interviewers. <laughs> I didn't read the job description <gasps> until I got to Victoria Station in London. So I pull it out my bag, reading it 10 minutes before the interview. And I had that horrifying moment. I can't do half of this stuff. <laughs> I've never done it. I don't understand what some of this is even asking me. But I had to go to the interview. Well, you were there then. I was there. I was in London. I might as well go for the interview anyway. Um, And amazingly, I got the job. But one of the things I learned is, because that was a horrible, horrible position to be in, (laughs) blagging it. And also, I think what we touched upon in the last episode was around this preparation. And, And one of the questions they asked was, do you know how many offices we have or something like that? And in my preparation, my limited preparation at the station... (laughs) I was thinking, well, why do I need to know how many offices we've got? Surely you know. <laughs> it's your business. <laughs> um, so I didn't really have much of an idea as to how many offices, but I must have managed to smooth the edges on that one a little bit. So, yeah. Um, and the only other thing I've done in the past, which links to recruitment, for my very final job before I moved to the university, I went for the interview in shorts and a T-shirt. Oh. Not usual recruitment advice, no, I expect. Not usually. Not usually. And this links through to having a network. So I'd bumped into actually one of the moms at my children's nursery. And we kind of, I was literally the lone dad usually, you know, it was like 20 moms of one dad. So they spoke to me out of sympathy, I guess, (laughs) and all these things. And she said, well, my, you know, she knew what I did for a job. She said, well, my husband's got a business and he could probably do some marketing help. So why don't you come to our house for a barbecue? So, you know, go to the house, barbecue in the summer, shorts and T-shirt, of course. So I meet this guy, we get on super well, and he says, well, come to my office on Monday and we'll we'll talk more about a job offer. So I was thinking psychologically, he's met me in shorts and a T-shirt. Do I really want to go in a suit? Not really. So I went in my shorts and T-shirt again. (laughs) Did he say anything? I got the job. (laughs) I felt like there might have been some middle ground between shorts and a T-shirt and a full suit. (laughs) I must add, he was a a real English eccentric. Okay. So he was a kind of a suit and booted type of person. He was much more of a short-sleeved, open-shirt kind of person. So I guess it's about matching your 
yes. your own uh, persona to, to what's expected. Yeah. I wouldn't advise going for a city banking job. No. no. I think you're right. It's, it's interesting, that question of what do I wear to interviews, mm. and particularly with things like Teams and Zoom and virtual interviews that have happened during lockdown. We've heard lots of stories of people being dressed on the top <laughs> and pyjamas on the bottom, and then when they actually have to go in person, they're like, I haven't got anything to wear on my legs. But it, yeah, I think there is a lot to be said about people who create their own opportunities, which is very much whether you're in shorts and a t-shirt or a full suit, what you're doing there, Jason. So I think, yeah, if there's anything else that you've got there along creating opportunities that you can share with your audience. Well, I guess back in the day, like I was saying, when you went for an interview, you probably took something you printed out or your notebook. Whereas I think now there's much more opportunity to build an online profile. Yeah. And definitely from the, the people I see coming in to give guest talks and I ask them about what they look for from students, they're always looking for some evidence. Mm. You know, if you can show that you've built a website or you've got a blog on luxury fashion or you've created something that is about electric vehicles. I had one student who wrote his dissertation on electric vehicles mm. and then he got a, a job at the Volkswagen Group afterwards. Amazing. Yeah. So I think like you said, Aisha, you can turn these subjects at university which can be a little bit dry sometimes yeah. i'm sure you'd agree <laughs> and uh maybe turn them to your advantage by doing it if you have the opportunity on a on a maybe a future career path whether that's i guess now it'd be sort of ai or maybe digital or something like that which is maybe what i'd be thinking about i placed a graduate um their first role in marketing and part of the interview process involved a task so if this is your first time out looking for marketing roles of course have your cv have your linkedin connections apply for roles and when you've got those interviews we've got great tips on how to do your first stage interview make a great first impression also expect that there might be a task involved and in this particular situation they set them the task to say choose a marketing campaign that's out there in the world it could be a current one it could be historical anything that you remember that's grabbed your attention whether that's a social media campaign a tv campaign a anything that's really you've seen, maybe it's point of sale in a retail shop, um, what caught your attention about that campaign? What, what did you like about it? What could they have done better? And they had to present back on somebody else's marketing campaign and that shows your presentation skills, your ability to analyse, review and know what good looks like when it comes to marketing. So yeah, LinkedIn can be great for that, following podcasts, magazines, it's a bit old school maybe today, but online articles and just being involved in that conversation around marketing campaigns and following great marketing content that's out there. I love that advice, Kerry. Aisha, do we have any other questions? Um, yes, yeah, so we've had quite a few questions come in. So we've got a question from Emily. Emily's asked, are there any additional courses you recommend I should add to my CV and complete? I guess if you've already got a degree, then you've got, I guess, two routes open to you. One is the more um, professional body route. So you could be things like the Digital Marketing Institute, do a range of qualifications, or the Chartered Institute of Marketing would be one option. Um, they're very good. They tend to be industry recognised in the UK at least, um, but they do tend to be quite expensive. So I always advise people, if you're going to do those kind of professional qualifications, it's much better to do them sponsored by a company so they pay all of the tuition fees because they are relatively expensive. The other alternative is to continue in higher education, maybe do a master's degree. We, I run a master's degree course and the students coming onto it are either they've done a marketing undergraduate degree and they want to advance their knowledge further by doing a postgraduate degree 
or they're coming from a different business function altogether. So they might come from an engineering background or a creative background where they feel they've got a skill set that, but they maybe need some more marketing or managerial type of skills to get through to that next sort of promotion level, that bracket. Um, so yeah, I think it depends on your personal choice. If you want to continue working, then maybe the professional qualification is the way to go. If you're happy to take a year out and do a postgrad qualification, I would say doing a postgraduate qualification part-time is very hard work and you have to be super committed because you're essentially going to be sacrificing your evenings and weekends for the year. But some students do it very, very successfully. So I guess it's whatever suits your particular lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, another thing that's quite beneficial for graduates is using online courses because quite a lot that are actually available for free. Um, so speak to your lecturers, they'll probably know about which ones you could um, use or speak to recruiters as well. They'll have a bit of insight on which ones are good to use as well. Um, so just going off the back of that, we've got a question from Elliot. So Elliot asked, is it worth doing a postgraduate degree or should I just head straight into marketing and land my first role? Oh, very <laughs> difficult question to answer. Again, it sort of depends on your personal circumstances. The advantage of doing a postgraduate degree straight after your undergrad is in you're in the academic world. So referencing, writing essays, all of this stuff you do at university, it's kind of like you know what you're doing, you can slip straight back into it. But the disadvantage is it, you still haven't really maybe had the opportunity to apply what you learned in your undergrad degree. So you're getting quite theory mm -hmm. upon theory. Mm -hmm. Unless you do the things we've been talking about today, where maybe you start a, a website or a blog or an Instagram channel or something like that. So if you can do both, that would be a great combination. The advantage of leaving university, get, getting some work experience, and then coming back to do your postgraduate degree, is that those students typically do really well. It's a little bit like students who do internships or placement years. When they come back to university, they suddenly realise well, in my placement year, I was doing like 38 or 40 hours a week. And most of the colleagues in the, in the class are doing like half that now. So if I just continue with a 40-hour work week, that work ethic, mm. typically they just absolutely smash the final year and do super well. So, yeah, it's horses for courses a little bit, depending on, you know, whether they want to just get the academic part of their career out of the way in one go, or they want to actually reflect upon what they've learned, apply it, and then come back for some more when they feel they, they're ready or they need it for a career step. Yeah, definitely. So I did the bachelor's and then followed that on with a master straight away because I mm. knew that if I went out in the world of work, it would be really difficult yes. to then come back into that environment. Whereas when you go straight in, you're already used to it, you're mm. already there and you're in the routine and everything already. And it worked really well for me. So. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. Exactly. But you, life does sometimes get in the way. You have best intentions. I'll go back and study in two or three years time, but by that time, maybe you've moved, you know, got a family, got a busy job, whatever it might be. Definitely. I feel like a lot of graduates probably underestimate their part-time roles as well. Um, so we asked on LinkedIn um, to our network, how did you actually get into your first role in marketing? Um, so we've got a comment from Rebecca Gray. So Rebecca mentioned that she started initially in a sales role, um, but she ended up moving into the marketing team. So her process was that she started small. She showed that she was enthusiastic. She's got the drive and she has the passion and she just made the job her own. Um, so I'd definitely say utilize your network you have from your part-time role. See if there's any opportunities in the wider company as well. Um, and just sort of show that you've got that passion and drive just to progress long-term. I think passion's a really good word there. I think yeah. like we were saying earlier, 
if you can build a blog or, or have an Instagram channel, it's something additional to what everyone else will have. So it's some way of differentiating yourself, maybe in career, sector specific. And again, the students that have done that have done typically very well. Okay, so let's talk about interviews then. Jason, obviously you touched upon earlier when you blagged an interview that you haven't prepared for. <laughs> but um, we wouldn't usually recommend that. So, you know, if you're um, looking for your first marketing job and you've got that all-important interview, you've got to obviously dress not in shorts and t-shirt when you turn up. Um, but what advice would we give our listeners? So advice that I'd recommend is a lot of um, interviews these days happen virtually. So I'd always recommend practicing using Teams or Zoom, whatever they sort of want to use initially. Um, maybe practice with a friend because it can be quite awkward doing that for the first time. So if you sort of get quite used to doing interviews via Teams or Zoom or any sort of online platform, you'd become so much more comfortable. Um, so typically what we find the process to be is your first stage will be online and then it will typically be second stage, which is face to face. Um, so obviously with your second stage one, you want to obviously a bit more, be a bit more prepared, um, present yourself better, a lot more effort really. Um, so yeah, definitely would say practice ahead of your interview. Yes, preparation is so key when it comes to interviews and I'd say as a bare minimum, we want you to look at the company website when you're applying to a role so you know about their core values, what they do as a business. If they threw you a question and said, so what do we do? What do you know about our company? That's a key question you're going to want to be able to answer. Um, knowing who you're interviewing, so again, LinkedIn, most people are on LinkedIn. You can see their career progression, how they got to where they are today. And that's a really great way to break the ice for both of you to show interest in more than just your best interest in getting this job, being interested in joining them, joining their team. Um, I'd say always read the job description. Again, that's a shopping list of what they're looking for. So when you're at the interview, um, I know Jason joked that he, he read it just before going into the interview, but that's a great time to read it. Not for the first time, but <laughs> as a reminder of what they're looking for, the job description is a great tool for that. Um, reading your own CV, just remembering your key achievements before you go into an interview can be really useful. And then my final tip is to chat to someone. We don't talk to each other in an interview style. It's not a normal way of talking. So a lot of people don't kind of shout about their achievements, articulating them can be quite frustrating. Sometimes you can get in your own head. So whether that's a recruitment consultant, a friend, a mum, a dad, a family member, just try that style of explaining to someone what you've achieved, why you want the role. Like just articulating it in the mirror to another person can be great interview preparation. I think I'd probably add to that also, um, and I shall remember this very well as she was in the lockdown year where lots of our teaching was online. I think a lot of universities are still having some portion of their teaching online and some in the classroom. And you can use those opportunities to hone your interview skills. So in the classroom, you can get used to asking questions in front of other people because for a lot of jobs, there might be a group or a panel type of interview process. Um, like you just mentioned, there's also the online, the dreaded Skype interview or Teams <laughs> yeah. or whatever it might be. And again, lots of students, and I'm sure they'll, they'll agree with this, most of them keep their cameras off and their microphones off. Mm. So just the fact of like getting comfortable with looking at yourself on the screen, which is it, it's a little bit unnatural when you first do it. So practice it in your, in your lectures if you're still having them, because it's better to practice and you know, realise you've got some dodgy poster behind you or whatever it might be. <laughs> Find that out before you're kind of pitching for your dream job. And again, you can test, does your microphone work? Does your broadband work? 
because the last thing you want is that all-important interview and then the technology lets you down or yeah. you just feel really awkward or something. Oh my gosh, definitely. Can you imagine? You, you're ready for your interview and then all of a sudden you can't get online. <laughs> Awful. No. So, I think it's time to wrap up for the day then. Um, is there anything that anyone else would like to say before we go on to our final task? I will just tell you about one of the interviews I went oh, for. Oh, yes, please, Jason. And this was a surprising technique. So I, after my first job, which was in the sort of oil-related industry, I decided I wanted to work in professional services. So I went for some interviews at a, an accountancy business advisory firm. And the final stage, and this was new to me, but apparently it's fairly common practice in those sectors, is you go out for lunch with two of the partners and the other leading candidate. Oh, wow. Whoa. So you go out for lunch as a foursome. Wow. So you walk across to the restaurant together. Oh, my God. And then you sit down and it's like, it's one of those things, I suppose, you're, is the word frenemy? <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to That's be all nice and polite, <laughs> but really you're, you're trying to edge them out to get the job. And yeah. I must admit, in the walk across, uh, the partner I was talking to, I found out he was into rock climbing. And it just so happened... Then I was also into rock climbing Were you there, time. Jason? <laughs> <laughs> what sort of person do you think I am, Leanne? <laughs> and so we get to lunch and me and the, the partner, we just swapped climbing stories the whole time. And I felt a little bit sorry for the other candidate because she didn't get an edge in, in a word in sideways because we were just talking. We had all these kind of interesting stories to share. Aww. Which is quite, but I think it comes back to what Kerry mentioned earlier, passion. Yeah. You know, even now when I meet people on LinkedIn or I have my guest speakers, I listen to podcasts constantly. I'm always trying to keep up with what's happening in marketing. I find out, you know, I listen a bit about what Meta are doing. Mm -hmm. You know, do you know what AI is? Mm -hmm. Do you know what the Metaverse is? Have an opinion. It doesn't really matter whether you think it's going to be phenomenal or you think it's going to be a disaster. It's stuff you can talk about. So to end this two-part series, I'd like us all to think of the one word that you'd like to leave our listeners with to think about and ponder for the rest of the day. Uh, so to go first, my word is going to be possibilities. Oh, possibilities. I'm going to go for preparation. Um, I'm going to go for perseverance. Nice. My word, which also begins with a P, and this wasn't planned, this wasn't planned, I promise. The four P's, fear marketing people, is proactiveness. Oh, okay. I like it. And to finish off the P's, I'll go with patience. Oh, right. thank you. Yeah. Oh, great choices. I love those words. And I wish I'd gone for perseverance myself. Such a good word, Aisha. I can't believe you've just done the five P's there. <laughs> So finally, if you're looking for your first job in marketing or you're looking to hire a marketing professional to grow your team, please get in touch with us at jobs at thewonegroup.co.uk. Thank you so much to our guests, Jason and Aisha, and to my amazing co-host for the day, Kerry, and of course, producer Bex. Thank you all so much and thanks for listening. Bye. 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 That's a wrap for this week's episode. If you want to be our next guest speaker on Togcast, then get in touch with The One Group. And don't forget to subscribe. We would hate for you to miss the next one.